Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of Movie Talks and Chill. We're your hosts, I'm Tony Serrato. I'm Gavin Butts. I'm Patrick Wall. And in this episode, Patrick, why don't you tell us what we're talking about today? We are talking about Quentin Tarantino movies. Ooh. The man has done some great work. The man, the myth, the legend? He's about to be, he just announced his <coughs> tenth and final film. Yep. He's about to be retired. Yeah. Not to be, uh, not, not gonna be working anymore. Yeah, <laughs> not gonna be making movies anymore. I don't that's think he, he's like, he's Quentin Tarantino. I don't think he gives a shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, from what I read about that is partially it's because he wants to end it on a high note hmm. and just say, you know, there's been some directors where, you know, even though they still do good, but after a while they, their work goes they're just, downhill. yeah, their work and it's just maybe, pushing out stuff. <clears throat> yeah. And it may not be so much them. It may be because they're working on a studio flick and there's a lot of other controlling aspects and they don't have the power, but he's also, he's just getting tired of, from what I've read about it, <clears throat> of, uh, just like all these streaming services. He's, he's kind of, kind of where i'm at where it's kind of taking away from <clears throat> the experience or like all these netflix movies and amazon's they're all making their own i, I personally they're just not that great quality i mean most well, no of them one's are. making anything right now because the writers <clears throat> are on strike and at the time of this recording in a week and a half the sag will go on strike yeah. so not a whole lot of things will be in production for a few months but even if they were if you go back and watch like all the netflix originals and amazon's there's very few that were actually like good good well, and speaking of which, Extraction 2 just came out, and the first one was amazing. And I started watching this one just to see how they retcon the ending to the first one. So spoilers if you haven't seen it. Chris Hemsworth dies at the end of the first Extraction. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and he now did. he's he starring in the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. And I mean, they, they quickly answer that in the first two minutes of the film about, you know, how he's not dead. Yeah. Um, but that, that was kind of what his point was about, like, also taking away from the, the theater aspect. Mm. He's he's a big believer in it. Like, I think he still does. And I can't remember where it's at, what state. There's an old school theater where they play, like, old movies and mm. stuff. Or older movies or classics. Could be a mixture. I think there's one like that in L.A. where he lives. Yeah, there, there's one out there. And that might be the one he does. But I know <clears throat> there's a few people. But he actually does programming for it. Oh, like, okay. he chooses movies and he hosts stuff. Or he'll do stuff with... Uh, you know, with other filmmakers that he's close to, you know, like mm. Robert Rodriguez and stuff, they'll go up and they'll talk about movies, and he loves doing that. <clears throat> and so he's like, you know, movies nowadays, I think we were talking about when Doug was here with us, too, is that, like, now movies are out in theaters for, like, a couple weeks. Yeah. And yeah. then they're gone. And then they're available. And actually, after the first week, they're available on whatever streaming service that you have to have a subscription but to. But I will say what's different today <clears throat> than it was, um, like, years back is, years back, it was only <clears throat> one theater. Mm-hmm. Like you would only have, they, it would only be showing in theater thirteen. This, this, you know, now they've they've got like ten theaters that they'll show, and you can go see it in almost any time. That mm-hmm. you know, I, I think back then it was a lot. You may have one or two. It was like your main primetime theaters, but now you've got, you know, it's it's showing. You've got twenty theaters in your in your movieplex, and fifty, you know, are showing the hot movie. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. There, I mean, there are changes, but it's just the time frames that there because back then there wasn't streaming yeah there was no streaming there was no it was everything was after that video yep and it took so long to, <clears throat> to get you know down to yeah get get to video and or even dvd really yeah i mean just the transfer method but that's why they stayed so long and like we talked about too when doug was here is like they would be in the theater for like six months and then it would go to a dollar theater and yep. then it would be there for like six months and then you know, after that, if you still hadn't seen the movie, this would have been perfect for you at the time, the Dollar yeah. Theaters. Cause be oh, like yeah, used to, there yeah. used to be one up in Claremont <laughs> I would go to all the time. $2 a ticket, and they had a quarter bar and a full food menu. It was great. 
20 bucks, you can have like a decent two, two and a half hours. That's where I saw Superman Returns, actually. Okay. Yeah, they had, uh, oh, you're talking about the one up on, uh, on, uh, 19? Yeah, 19 at Sunset. Yeah. The Cinema Cafe. Yeah. But then they started getting, like, the new releases, like, you know, in, like, AMC, we have this new movie that came out today, and then they started getting it. So then they started charging, like, $9 a ticket. I was like, yeah. the whole reason why I was coming here is because you're cheap-ass prices. Yeah. You're, charge, <laughs> you're charging the same as AMC, which you're not, so I'm not coming here yeah. anymore. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's why I use, like, the Dollar Theater. I told you this was up on Omerton and, <clears throat> and Starkey. It's where that uh, that Wawa is now. Or that Wawa in the Walmart grocery mm-hmm. store. That whole thing. That's where I got my oil change this morning. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah that's where Take 5 is. <clears throat> yeah, so right around sponsored. there. Yeah, it was right there on the corner, though. That used to be the Dollar Theater. It was this big, gray building. There was nothing fancy about it. There was just It just said Dollar Theater. Yeah. <laughs> it was, but it was just all gray. There was not like no fancy showing things. Right. I mean, no, they had a couple no signs outside. Now showing. Yeah, no, there was none of that. It was just basically the a The marquee was just building. half-broken letters and <laughs> spray paint. It wasn't that bad. It just <laughs> didn't really have it. It just said Dollar Theater. It was very simple. But you got to go in there and see a lot of great movies for a dollar. It's because during the day, <laughs> no it showed... Tax, uh, just a dollar. It showed other movies. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The kind where Phoebe Herman got arrested for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, because showgirls used to be right across the street. So you could go over there if you needed to. <clears throat> they had their own little theater in there too. Mm, yeah, but yeah. So I, car, I think we're getting wildly <laughs> off track. We yeah, we're so. talking about Quentin Tarantino, and now we're discussing the economics of movie theaters. Well, because <laughs> that, that was kind of the point of why he's ending his his film. But yes, we did get slightly off track, but so that that was the thing he wants. He likes the theater experience. We never do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've never got this. Isn't all. the ADD network? ADD FM. I saw a Facebook meme that said ADHD Highway to Oh Look a Squirrel. So back to Tarantino. Yes. So we do start off like we normally do. What's our favorite Tarantino? <clears throat> I think we could do that. All right. Um, so my two favorite things that he's directed are not actually full length movies, but I want I'll circle back to them um, later. But my favorite actual movie that he's directed um, and I probably written. I'm not 100 percent sure, but it's Hateful Eight. Okay. Um, I just thought that was a fantastic movie. A lot of you're trying to figure out who's good, who's bad, and, and then you know, spoilers for a seven year old movie. Um, what's his nuts is just hiding under the floor the entire time. What's his nuts? <laughs> Jamie Tatum, that's his name. <laughs> He's just hiding underneath the floorboards, and he pops out and shoots Samuel L. on the penis, and then they hang him. And yeah, it's just a fantastic movie. <laughs> yeah, I'd done the floors. Yep. Samuel gets shot in the penis. Well, it's like you know, it they, they wanted to. Uh, they they brought back. You know, they had that, and then they did the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, if you have a number and it's a Western movie, we've got you. Yeah. <laughs> we got you covered. Three ten to Yuma. Here we go. It's, it's got to have a number, and it's got to be a Western. <laughs> if it's not a Western, then you get Bridge Over the River Kwai. Yeah. No yeah. number. Exactly. No number. Or no tombstone. Numbers. No number. Yeah. <laughs> No number required for Tombstone. Because <laughs> it's number one. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, Thank don't, you. Don't forget about Young Guns. Uh, I, I <laughs> Lazy take, Saddles. I take Valkyrie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> City Slickers. <laughs> eh, technically not a Western, but I get it. Three Amigos. Mm, now we're Another example of ADD right here. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ADHD right here. And see, three again. <laughs> Amigos. <laughs> Uh, so I would say mine is uh, is probably Dust to Dawn. Okay, just like the fun uh, throughout it. You know, yeah, they're they're sitting there um, in a bar. 
trying to get eaten, or not trying, but about to get eaten by vampires, but yet they're still cracking jokes and shit all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, you have uh, George Clooney in there in a role that he hasn't really, you know, done a whole lot of at that point yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of being like the heel that's also kind of trying to be the. Yeah, good he's guy. the anti-hero. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> he's gonna save the day, but he's gonna be like an asshole about it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. like condoms filled with water balloons. And shooting Danny Trejo in the face with a stake. Or just somebody's know, got to do it. Yeah. Or just punching the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Whole movie. I will say I'm, the best part about that movie in my mind is the ending where it pans out and you can actually see all the trucks in like landfill behind the bar. Yeah, like leading oh, to hell. Yeah. The actual well, pit of hell almost. Well, it's also like <clears throat> kind of the, the, they're trying to make it look like a Mayan ruin. Yeah. Like going down the, the, <clears throat> the steps of this temple that's been. And like, wait a minute, the top of it is this. Is this little bar? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you got to check out this bar. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because it's, uh, it's uh, open 24 7, man. I, I <laughs> oh, yeah. Cheech Marin pulls up. He's yeah, like. Pulls the... up in, with, like, he's like three different characters in the movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because at the end, he was basically the guy that he was supposed to meet. Yeah, he was a drug dealer that Tarantino and Clooney were supposed to be meeting. He's like, I just saw the bar and just figured it was all right. Like, like, have you ever even been in here? (laughs) He's like, who was it? Drug dealers? Oh, yes. No, I don't think... uh, No, no, it was... was Schizos or something like that. Psychos. He's like, oh, it's full of psychos. He's like, really? Did you think psychos explode when the sunlight hits them? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Those guys look like psychos to you. Then the the little girl basically has um, Stockholm syndrome. And he's like, "Can I just go with you?" He's like, no, "You don't want to go with me, Katie." I'm an asshole. Like, and I'm not that kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She basically looks around like, "What am I supposed? You're gonna abandon me here in Mexico? I'm going with you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm. I'm. It's in Mexico, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody remember? I'm, I'm in Mexico right now. Yeah. <laughs> you you brought me here. <laughs> yeah. You kidnapped my family, and they're all dead. <laughs> uh, good movie. Good movie. Okay. Good movie. And then, of course, you can't forget Salma Hayek. Yeah. Aww. No one ever forgets Salma Hayek. No. <laughs> Thank the chair just screw, or table just screwed on the leg. Anyway. <laughs> Back to Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by ADHD Network. Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by Trojan Comics. <laughs> <laughs> Not sponsored, but once again, I'm willing to sell out. Trojan, you know, hit me up. <laughs> I'd, I'd back up all now. <laughs> You're not sure if she's taking care of. Take care of yourself with a Trojan. <laughs> That's copyrighted. You cannot use that in your new ad campaign. <laughs> Ribbed for their pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you, Mr. Tony? Uh, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, Hands down. Yeah. Hands down. One so, of my favorite. I mean, I was gonna say everybody goes with Pulp Fiction. I do. That is a solid number two, but or it's up there. It's it's yeah. a tight race, but Reservoir Dogs had a little bit more of a simplicity to it <clears throat> that was just really good. That was his first film, wasn't it? <clears throat> uh, not his full on first film, but it may have been the first one he directed. <clears throat> but he had been part of uh, what was it? I'd have to go back in and search. I don't know. I'm not going to waste that air time yeah. trying to think about it. But <clears throat> I think he was trying to – he was just getting started, and nobody really wanted to give him a chance. And he had done something, and then they were working on it, and then he was getting out. And they said, hey, well, you know, he's got this script, and <clears throat> Tarantino was – you know, he's an indie guy. Mm-hmm. And he was – <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Who gets budgets bigger than most <clears throat> AAA blockbusters? Now. Yeah. Back then, back then, it was like no budget. In fact <clears> – <throat> 
so he knew some people and he wanted it for a very low you know low budget amount like he didn't have a lot or he wasn't asking a lot to get it made and some people were like well you know if you can get this person you can get this person and then mm-hmm. we can get this much more <clears throat> so that was a big def- deciding factor so like um you know getting like harvey Keitel in there because mm-hmm. harvey Keitel was well known at that point yeah i mean he'd well he'd been well known for a long time and then they're like <clears throat> You know, if you get this guy and this guy, I mean, a lot of them are really no names at the time or not mm-hmm. that popular. Um, <clears throat> so he went through Especially and Steve Buscemi because you know Adam Sandler hadn't taken off yet. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> but I mean, that's what I'm saying. A lot of them were like low end people, so they didn't have a lot of money for the budget. And then when they got Michael Madsen, even they did a thing because I was just watching a thing called Q28, and it's about Quentin Tarantino's like first eight films or, or eight movies that he either worked on or directed or wrote and directed. And that whole story came out in that. And he said, you know, they did it like, you know, one or two scene areas and stuff. And um, But the budget didn't account for a lot of things like the wardrobe. So there's some interesting facts about that. If you see it, you've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. I know you said you hadn't seen it. No, right? no. It's one of the two <coughs> movies I haven't seen. <coughs> um, but warning, warning. And just a quick side note. I looked it up. He did write um, Hateful Eight. So he, okay. it was written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Okay. Just wanted to make sure my facts were right. Hey, good deal. See, he's learning after two years. Almost yeah. two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. But uh, he did this thing on the budget for Reservoir Dogs where he was talking about, like, they're all you know, black suits and the mm. white shirts. Well, that they didn't provide that to him. They told him, hey, when you show up, you know, show up in a black suit, black black shoes. And the only thing they gave them was the ties. <laughs> <clears throat> and so everybody's suit, if you really look closely at the movie, everybody's suit is a little different. It's not like in Pulp Fiction where they're both wearing, like, if you look at Samuel's and, and, yeah. and um, John, yeah, John Travolta's, almost identical or very similar. <clears throat> These guys are all different. One thing that I didn't even notice is how good the cinematography was or the lighting is Steve Buscemi's character. Uh, and Michael Madsen brought this up in that in that uh, Q2A thing. He's like, he's not even wearing black slacks. He's like, those are black jeans. But you can't tell. And then Michael Madsen was like, and he wanted us to come in like black dress shoes. Like, I didn't have black dress shoes. Like, that's, I had black boots though, mm. like cowboy boots. And he's like, that's why they did that close up and did that scene when he pulls out the knife when oh. he's about to kill the cop. With the boots? And he pulls up, yeah, and the boot and everything. He's like, that's because I didn't have black shoes. Like, so if you look back in the movie, everybody else got black dress shoes. <clears throat> I'm the only one with black boots on. So <laughs> it was extremely low budget. Like, I, I don't think there was much of even craft services on that set. Um, <laughs> But yeah, bunch of they actually all had to pay for that dinner that they were at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all the sides. You're, you're and talking, all the sides. You're talking to me about a scene in the movie that I haven't seen. I have no idea what you're talking about. Now, everyone knows that dang so scene where they're I, all... I'll catch you up a little bit. We'll give you a quick gist. Uh, Reservoir Dogs about a group of guys who get banned, who get brought together by this big mob guy or big boss who pulls off jobs, but he brings all these people in to do a job. So he, once he do, what he does is he gets people that they know, that they've worked with, but the people don't know each other. Mm. And so it's just a group of guys, and then he doesn't allow them. The boss and his son, who's his son, the boss's son is Sean Penn, or uh, Chris Penn, Sean mm. Penn's brother. They're the only two that actually know almost everybody's actual real names because they're the ones who Brought pick them, them or know a man. They don't allow them to tell each other their names or discuss anything, so he names so them by colors. colors. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so you got Mr. Brown, Mr. White. Mr. Pink. Mr. I mean, Pink. that makes sense. And Steve Buscemi's Mr. Pink. He's like, why am I Mr. Pink? Because you're a faggot, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn Tarantino was Mr. Brown. He's like, yeah, but Mr. Brown, that sounds too close to Mr. Shit. <laughs> <clears throat> but, you know, Mr. Blonde, Mr. Orange, and all this stuff. So, anyway, one of them is an undercover cop. 
and he was the only one that they none of them were a hundred percent certain on. Like, didn't know the full background, but he was like somebody else that was a rat on the police force vouched for one of the undercovers, who's Tim Ross' character. By oh, the way. okay. And he basically he gets in by telling the story, meeting up with him. Well, the bank of the robbery goes wrong. Mm. And people start getting shot up or killed, and Tim Ross' character is shot. So the whole movie, basically, aside from the beginning, is just, it kind of is like Pulp Fiction, where it goes back and forth. It's like playing on the main point of them two. It's, it's Harvey Keitel's character taking care of Tim Ross' character. He's bleeding out. He got <laughs> shot in the gut. <clears throat> so the whole movie is based around that. They, they go to the meeting place in the warehouse, and they're waiting for everybody. While he's bleeding out, and he's talking to them. And it just goes, and the whole movie's flashbacks to everybody else and how they got into the job mm-hmm. and what happened um, so it's obviously very Tarantino-esque as they say <laughs> it is his movie <clears throat> but it's, it's, it's never, really good never though. heard it described <laughs> as such a thing <laughs> no I coined it <laughs> but that's that it's, it's a really good movie because they go into how like the cop kind of sneaks through and Harvey Gattel is like one of the people who only really fully trusts him mm-hmm. even though He's a rat because he's an <laughs> undercover cop, but Harvey Cantel sticks with him till the end. Yeah. And then at the very end... All hell breaks loose. Uh, yeah, basically all hell breaks loose and he ends up telling him like right before the main, main shit. After all the main shit goes down. Hello. Can you hear me? <clears throat> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it is on the Plex server. Yep. So definitely recommend watching that. It is a it is a great movie. And the whole beginning conversation. Yeah. Because they, they're sitting around a diner at the beginning of the movie. And it begins with Tarantino doing this monologue about Madonna's song, Like a Virgin, and how it's all about a girl who can't handle a big dick. (laughs) That is literally, like, he's like, it's a metaphor for big dicks. And the whole first, what, four or five minutes is him discussing why, like a virgin... Is about a song about big dicks. It reminds me of that video <coughs> clip of Tarantino describing how Top Gun is actually just um, softcore homosexual porn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's not even soft. <laughs> <laughs> not until that volleyball scene. It's very implied. Yeah. 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 You gotta have like, a shirtless sports scene in every Top Gun movie. <laughs> Was there one in the new one? Yes. <laughs> nice. They're playing football. Oh. On the beach. <laughs> back to dicks. Back to Tarantino's back dick to story. Something, yeah. something straight. Yeah. <laughs> straight yeah, so a circle. Definitely watch it. If if not, start the movie just to hear that beginning conversation because that's the very first part of the movie, okay. the very beginning of it. And if you're not hooked by the end of that whole and conversation, because there's more I'm that comes gonna, out after. But I'm just gonna say, like to be honest, the diner scene itself. <clears throat> now I know they cut back to it, you know. A couple times, but just the whole diner scene itself is my favorite part. When they're just sitting there cutting up on everybody, and then they then they start giving Steve Buscemi shit because he didn't want to tip. No, no, that was a. Uh, oh, oh yeah, no, no, it was Steve yeah, Buscemi. Yeah, Steve Buscemi because I don't you tip. Don't, you don't believe in tipping? What's no, wrong with you? No. Who are you, some fucking loser? Or like some shit like Harvey Keitel? I don't tip just because society deems it's, yeah, it's yeah. right. He's like, what if you, you don't tip people at McDonald's? Why not? They're serving you food. He's like, why don't you tip them? He's like, no, no, no. Society says don't tip these people, but tip these people over here. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Now, they do ask you to tip at McDonald's. <laughs> He's like, oh, we've been here. The like, vape store asked me to tip. Everybody yeah. asked me to tip. He's like, we've been here, what, like 20, 30 minutes? It's like, I've only had my coffee uh, filled two, you know, four times. I want it filled at least eight times. And it's, like, <laughs> it's like, last thing you need is another cup of coffee. And then, <laughs> So it's like he goes, it's they get into that conversation. And the whole thing with Joe, who's the big boss guy, mm-hmm. they're all having, you know, having this breakfast. And 
the whole time they're all talking, he's just sitting there. He's looking through this black book he's got, and he's trying to figure out who this person is. He's like, Toby? Toby? And he's going on and on. And it's like everybody's talking. He goes back, and he figures out. And then Hyver Kittel, who's like very close to him, he's like, give me that damn thing. And he grabs the book. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, give me my book back. He's like, I'm sick and tired of it, Joe. He's like, you're sitting around here. He's like, Toby, 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 Toby Wong, Toby Wong, Toby Chong. Fuck the Charlie Chan. I got Madonna's big dick coming out of my left ear and Toby the Jap, I don't know what, coming out of my right. You see my friend Gavin? Yeah. <laughs> Toby. I might wear that shit today. <laughs> so yeah, that might be your homework. Just watch the diner scene at the beginning. Yeah, just watch yeah. the diner scene. It's, it's As not the even the whole movie. Just just the, it's, it's I mean, watch the whole movie, but yeah. just... Watch well, you that. have to watch at least, I think, probably 30, 40 minutes of the movie to get the whole diner scene. Because, <laughs> you know, they do, as they go around and they get to the person, like, they get the flashback of how they know mm. or how, you know, they, they're connected to why they're there. I know they're wildly different movies, but uh, I don't know why, but I'm getting huge Usual Suspects vibes just from listening to this description. So, it's, I would say yes and no. It's, it's yes in terms of they're all part of a heist in like unusual suspects yes to the fact that none of them really know each other but all the rest of it is completely different yeah. it's, it's a completely different storyline but there are some connections though so i yeah. I, I read uh through <clears throat> and read and watched that documentary you guys gotta watch that too q28 it's called um and for all you listeners out there q28 where can our or listeners QT8, find qt8 qt8 quentin tarantino eight films <clears throat> and where did uh, you watch it huh when did you uh, watch it i actually caught it on, on tubi oh, okay and it's actually got a few Quentin Tarantino documentaries on there, but that one was interesting because they talked about like his progression through his film career from like mm. starting out to growing. Like, mm. obviously, they didn't get to the point it was made before some of his later movies yeah, came so out. So it sounds like he got up to like Django Unchained. <laughs> yeah, I believe maybe, maybe up to that point. Um, but they were talking about like the the Tarantino verse. Everybody's got a universe now. Yeah. But like, you yeah, know. The Patrick Wolf cinematic universe. You didn't hear about it? <laughs> so Michael Madsen's character in Reservoir Dogs is, um, uh, his his last name's Vega. I can't remember what his first name is. Johnny. It wasn't Vincent. Yeah, I know. That's, but that's Johnny. Pulp Fiction. He's basically the brother of Vince Vega from Pulp Fiction. Oh, uh, okay. John Travolta's character. And they said they always want, Quentin Tarantino always wanted to do a movie where he brought them together, but he's like, they both got killed in each of their movies. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> unless they did a prequel. <clears throat> and then uh, there's Harvey Keitel. He's talking about, you won't know this because you haven't seen the movie, but when he's sitting there and they're meeting with Joe mm -hmm. in his actual house, and he's talking to me, he's like, hey, how's uh, oh Alabama? He asked about a girl. He's like, hey, how's Alabama doing? And he's like, oh, oh so you know, it didn't work out. Uh, he's like, you know, after he worked, do so many jobs for the guy-girl conflict. They're making, they're making him. This is like the, the first reference of the wolf. No, right? not not the wolf. They're making a reference to uh, like Kill Bill's type stuff. If I remember correctly, there's oh. the character Alabama in there. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <clears throat> and she's a girl, but he basically referenced it to that there. And then there's like another reference. I'm trying to remember which one it was. But it is connected to the other movie. Oh, it's something along the lines of Inglorious Bastards, and I believe it's Django Unchained. Mm -hmm. There's two people that have, I think, very similar last names or the last name, and then they're like, well, chronologically, if you go through the timeline, that would have been the grandson oh. yeah. <clears throat> of the person from that other right, movie. So now so. I just got to watch all of Quentin Tarantino's movies and <laughs> figure out how the, they connect. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm looking for Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. Looking for Tarantino Easter eggs. Yep. <laughs> 
But it's which really one, what egg came it. first? What movie do I start with? <laughs> That's a good question. You just go down the line. Yeah, you just go, just keep going. Buddy. <laughs> yeah, you got the Vega twins. A week I'm gonna look like Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Pepe de Sylvia. Charlie. Not only do all these people exist, they want their mail. Patrick. Publix has not been able to deliver or stock anything. Yeah. Get out of the break room. <laughs> Picked up smoking again. Yeah. I'm three yeah. packs down. Just sitting there, you got cartons just sitting over in the corner. <laughs> oh, and my lungs already hurt just thinking about that. It's just a haze in the yeah. room. <laughs> uh, there is one other connection. It's not so much with people. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking is products. So Quentin Tarantino has a thing where he creates his own products in films, and they've been in multiple of his movies. One of them is the, uh, what was it, Lucky Apple? It's the cigarettes that he buys. Uh, uh, John Travolta buys a Pulp Fiction at the bar. Mm-hmm. And then they're in a couple of the other movies. Like, there's always that pack of cigarettes, same brand. So he always tries to keep the same cigarette brand in there. It's not a real brand. It's something yeah. he made up. And, and now I'm, <laughs> when you're done talking, now I'm trying to think of what brand of cigarettes was in the four-room see, uh, scene. Because they were all just smoke, chain-smoking in that scene. And I don't know if they if they mentioned it as part of because Four Rooms was like was it earlier? I'm trying to remember when that was made. And I don't early nineties. I don't know if he did he direct that or did he? Not he directed write it? the scene. Okay, he didn't direct the entire thing. No. Uh, <clears throat> so he had, he had one room. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to what I said earlier, there two of the, my favorite things that he's directed just weren't feature films. Mm-hmm. One of them is the scene from Four Rooms. Um, that's that movie just makes the entire movie. If you don't know, Tim Roth is a bellhop at a famous L.A. hotel, and Bruce Willis, Quentin Tarantino, and another guy—they're just partying the night for New Year's Eve, and they get drunk and they get this idea. One guy says, "If I can flick my lucky lighter ten times in a row and it lights every time, I get Quentin Tarantino's 1958 Chevy Belair, mint condition. And but if it, if I miss once, I have to chop off my pinky." Now, they call up Tim Roth. He's like, I don't want to chop off his pinky. He doesn't want to chop off his pinky. So I'm going to pay you. I think it winds up being like $2,000. So if he, he just, just keeps handing money. He just keeps yeah, he's putting doing money this, into his hand. He's just doing this whole spiel while he just keeps putting there are two piles of money. This is your pile, and this is the pile yours could be. And every he's just going through the spiel, just moving dollar to dollar. And it winds up being like two grand. Yeah. He's like, will you do this? He's like, all right, fine. Fuck it. Let's do it. And the, the idea actually came from a movie they watched. Yeah. It was the similar thing that happened in a movie. So they get drunk on New Year's Eve, and they're like, hey, let's do this. <laughs> and the greatest 10 seconds of movie history happens. Guy puts his pinky down on the cutting board, pulls out his lucky lighter. Tim Ross just standing there with the hatchet. He goes, click, nothing. He just slams down the hatchet. Takes the money and just walks right out the door. And that's the ending of the Does movie, not actually. even say a word. Bruce Willis, Quentin Tarantino, and the guy who lost his pinky are losing their mind. But Tim Rollins is there, I got my money. Puts it in his pocket and just walks out. Not a single word. <laughs> I love that scene. It's And that's why they wanted to get a third pro- a party that wasn't involved. Because neither one of them would have been able... They knew they wouldn't really be able to go through with it. Yeah. To mm-hmm. cut off their friend's pinky. So they, that's why they hired somebody else to do huh. it. Or, yeah. And Bruce Willis in that scene, he's barely on camera, but he's on a, an early 1990s cell phone. It's about as big as this mixing board. And he's just yelling at his wife. He's like, I got too drunk. I can't drive home with the boys. What do you want me to do? I'm sorry. Says that for the entire scene. And he's like, oh, wait, are we actually doing this? And he hangs up and then he watches his friend lose a pinky. <laughs> yeah, he gets all excited for a minute. Because at yeah. first he's just whining and crying about his wife freaking out on him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bitches be trippy. <laughs> 
Um, and the second one I wanted to talk about, he um, so the movie Sin City. There are three directors um, attributed to it: uh, Frank Miller, Quentin Tarantino, and another guy I can't remember. Tarantino directs once again one scene in the entire movie. Do you guys know which one it is? Uh, it's been a while since I've seen Sin City, so remind okay. me. So it's the one um, Clive Clive Owen is. So he kills the asshole cop that was um, dating. Um, whatever the girl who died what's her name she was on Brittany Murphy thank you um but he you know he kills him because you know he was wrapping up Brittany Murphy and he's like he's a cop and he's like fuck me so they load up his slash throat corpse into the front seat of a car and they're like we're driving to the La Brea tar pits and we're gonna just dump the whole thing in there mm-hmm. so but on the drive to the the scene is called the drive to the pits um, the dead cop like comes awake and just starts talking to Clive. Talking, to, yeah, yeah, in his mind, the, like the corpse didn't really actually really come to life. But that's to tell him how he's gonna get caught. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's connected and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tarantino directed that one scene. Okay, so that whole conversation it's like three or four minutes long. But every now and again, you'll see the cop like lean back and, and his, like and his throat comes out. Yeah. yeah, and then he's like he starts like. And then he goes forward. He's like, "God damn it, Johnny!" <laughs> <laughs> um, so he directed that scene. Um, okay. Like, his, those are my two favorite pieces of work that he's directed. But once again, they weren't full, like full on movies. But those two scenes, they they make the movies that they're in, in my opinion. Okay. So aside from that, because I I know well, you kind of already brought up that that was like your one of your favorite scenes in the movie is the four rooms one. Mm-hmm. Um, is there out of his other movies? Do you guys have? What's your favorite scene in a in a movie? In a he's done? Tarantino movie? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I mean, um, you could still go with Four Room. I mean, yeah. It doesn't have to be. It could be something he directed, but I know because you have mentioned that before. That is yeah. one of your favorite scenes. Yeah. So, and it's, Four Rooms is like probably one of my <clears throat> top ten movies of all time. Just because, and then you got the Antonio Banderas room with the two kids, the dead hooker, and the syringe that they're playing darts with. Then you got the guy who ties him up to a chair and holds a gun up to his head. The large cock. Yeah. The, the, tells him he's and then the first room, you got Selma Hayek and a bunch of witches trying to do a spell. And he's like, you need No, no, to- Selma Hayek was with Antonio. Oh, Bates. yeah, that's right. It was Madonna. I believe it was Madonna. Something like that. Madonna and a few other women. Yeah, well, the last component of the spell is you need the seed of a man. So, like, the new witch, you know, they get in a cauldron and have sex. And they're like, thank you, you're done. And then they kick him out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't fully work. Yeah. Because she ended up swallowing. Mm-hmm. Dang it. Because they're doing the spell and all this rhyme stuff. Yeah. And it is, I can't remember how the rhyme goes. I, think, but I remember like, the last it, line was like, and alas, but alas, I swallowed or something. Yeah. <laughs> they're all like, oh, and they're like, oh. fire shooting out of their mouths. It's like, <laughs> like did your mama teach you not to put them things in your mouth? Because <laughs> the spell so, can't be completed without. Yeah, yeah the, the seed <clears throat> of a man or something like that. If you haven't seen Four Rooms, I highly recommend this movie. It's fantastic. Especially when he actually, when they do the reveal of uh, of the dead prostitute. Yeah. Because the brilliant part is it, it's hap- all, everything's happening so fast. Kids are in the room. The curtains are on fire now because yeah. the one kid was smoking. The, I mean, the one girl sticks him in the leg with a syringe. Yeah. Like a needle where he doesn't know what's in it. And the little kid's like grabbing the ho- dead hooker is like heel. And like Antonio Banderas comes back and <laughs> is going on and the wife is just drunk and just falls down like he lets her go and she just collapses on the floor but the scene part i'm talking about is when he first finds the hooker so Mm -hmm. all the stuff's going on i can't like pushes the 
bed over or something, mm. the mattress, and there's the dead hooker, and immediately just he's throws like, up. He's like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck is that? As he's throwing up. <laughs> it's like you can barely, you can hear the word, but it's like instantly you see hookers like, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> it's like, you can't stop laughing. But it's like, he doesn't stop to like bend over or anything. He just starts throwing up while he's talking. I forgot about that. It's funny. It's funny. You've never seen that before. It's funny. It's... <laughs> Do you understand it, Kevin? It's yeah, a joke. I get it. Okay. I get it. Wait, wait. It's a joke. All right, let's show you. Let's show you the dead hooker scene. Real yeah. <clears throat> After we're done recording. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, so favorite scene in a kill or in a Tarantino movie? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna let Gavin go first because I need to remember the specific. I mean, fuck. Um, I don't know. I, maybe it's it's kind of a toss up between the the final fight scene at Kill Bill Two. Okay. Um, because you know you think that they're gonna have uh, you know this long drawn out sword fight, and she just basically does the the exploding <coughs> heart, and it's mm. just like. And it seems it feels it feels anticlimactic until it you know until they start back the banter and it doesn't and it's like mm. oh no this is like a big fuck you yeah. <laughs> like I'm not even gonna let you take out your story this is this is you're just dead yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> probably that one or <laughs> the the one that makes me laugh so hard is like one of the ending scene with Brad Pitt and Christoph Waltz <laughs> at. Uh, in Inglorious Bastards, mm. when he's talking about why he's gonna um, he's gonna shave the, the swastika into his head, he's like, you know, probably what's gonna happen is, you know, one day, you know, we are gonna get back to the states. You gonna take that armband off? So I'm gonna get something to make your you ain't uh, you gonna take that off ever again. <laughs> and he's like, tell him, you'll be court martialed. They'll 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 kick you out of the fort or out of the army. He's like, ah, I don't think that's gonna happen there, buddy. I've been yelled at before. I'll probably get yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff, man. Yeah. I, I do love that movie, especially the end when everyone's trying to figure out where the hell the bomb's in the movie theater. Right. There's like three different people who plant three different bombs and they're all trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Exactly. <laughs> and all of them go off. Yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. And they still don't kill Hitler? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was still not dead. Fucking Hitler. <laughs> Um, so, Mr. Tony, how about you? Uh, so, I already talked about it earlier. That That is one of my favorites is the dining diner scene in, in Reservoir Dogs. But if I had to go outside of that... <clears throat> yeah, I a like, different movie. Yeah, I'd like to... In Pulp Fiction, the very end... Where she snorts heroin? No, well, that's great, but... Um, <laughs> but trying to bring her back. Is yeah. What? <laughs> you gotta shove this... Right in her heart. <laughs> and it's not when he's when uh, Eric Stoltz first sells him the heroin, and he's like, why don't you hang out with uh, Trudy? He's like, which one's Trudy? That, or, or no, he's like, hang out with so-and-so. And he's like, which one's that? Is that the one with all the shit in her face? Like, no, that's, that's Trudy. That's my wife. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's not it either. But so the scene, real quick, when Gavin said, you got to shove this right in her heart, I immediately thought of <laughs> The Rock with Nicolas Cage. So in the beginning, yeah. when all the gas, he's like, you got to take the attribute. He's like, you want me to stick this? In my <laughs> heart, I'm out. <laughs> like I quit. Yeah, I'm gonna go yep. design Roach Motels. <laughs> but no, it's the it would be the ending scene <clears throat> in Pulp Fiction. It's after 
Tim Roth and the girlfriend are holding up the diner. And it's after um, Vince Vega, John Travolta's character, goes to the bathroom. They have their long talk. I do like that one but mm-hmm. where basically you know, Samuel is telling him he's quitting. And, you know, why? Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm just going to walk the earth. He's like, no, you're going to be a bum. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. You'll be a bum. <clears throat> but when they're holding up and he goes into the bathroom and uh, he's – it's that whole scene of Samuel talking to him. At gunpoint. Yeah, when he's at gunpoint, and he's like basically telling him all this stuff, and he does the path of the righteous man. Yeah. But this time he says very quietly, and he's like, now normally, I thought that was just some cold shit to, <laughs> to say you have to fight ice him. He's like, but now, he's like, I think it's something different. And then he's talking about what it actually means, and he's like... You said this is from... Oh, from, from Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Yeah. It's at the very end. It's just the whole scene of him I, talking... I don't know why, but my brain forgot that you said Pulp Fiction. I was like, that line's exactly from Pulp Fiction. I've heard it a million <laughs> times. <laughs> See, your brain's working. Yeah. So. <clears throat> you identified the movie based on a line. Yeah. <laughs> but he's talking to him, but then he said, you know, maybe it means, you know, I'm, you know you're the shepherd, and I'm the path of rest. He's like, no. He's like, what it means is, he's like, you're the weak, and I am the righteous, and you know, but he basically, and then when he's telling him, "Hey, you know, you made a good score. You can leave here right now." He's like, "But take out the wallet." It's like the one that says "bad motherfucker." Yeah, and then like, he, what wallet is it? Yeah, and, he, and, he ta- and, yeah, and he's like, "Take out all the money. How much is there?" And he counts, and he said, like, "Take it." He's like, "That's yours." Like, I'm buying it. He's like, "I'm buying your life." Now, mind you, Samuel has the gun to his head. Right. <clears throat> but then at this point, John Travolta's Vince Vega cares. He comes out, realizes, so now everybody's got guns at each other. Well, and also his uh, girl. <laughs> Whoever is like, yeah, the girlfriend. Martha something. Honey bunny. Honey bunny. Over here, honey bunny. Keep the keep the gun on me. Yep. Keep the gun on me. That's good. Yep. <laughs> yep. He's like, tell that bitch to chill. What? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell <laughs> that bitch to chill. <laughs> he's like, chill out. Like, chill out, honey bunny. Yeah. Oh, okay. Tell her it's gonna be all right. But it's that whole like kind of cold scene. It's yeah. where you know now Samuel just he's now got his gun on him. Tim Ross got his gun on Samuel. Vince has got Vince Vega's got his gun on Tim Ross character, and then Honey Bunny's got a gun just she fucking just shaking her head back and forth. She's just shaking. I can't remember if that's before or after Vin Rames kills the guy with the samurai sword. This is all after. This is oh, the very end. Yeah, it's scene. the last scene. It's the okay. very end scene. But it's just that whole conversation. It's like out of all that, he's like basically he knew at that point you knew Samuel's character was ready to quit. Hmm. He was leaving. He was done. But he's like, I, I mean, it's interpreted to him, in my opinion. But it's like. Alright, he's telling him he's gonna quit, John Travolta's character, Vince Vega. Then this all shit happens, and he's basically saying, you know, I could shoot this motherfucker right now and just get out of here, and then we can take the rest of their money because they stole, you know, they had a bag of wallets. Like, no, he's, that's what he said to him. He's like, I'm buying your life so that I can get out of here, basically. He doesn't say that, but he's basically, so he's like, I can walk out the door and do what I plan to do. And I don't have to, he's, you know. He's carrying that case of gold <coughs> for myself. Well, you don't really know what it is because when it opens up, it shines like gold, yep. but you never see inside it. Yep. And so you never really know what's in it. He's like, yeah, like yeah, you can yeah. take oh, all the wallets and everything that you got right there. That's a good score. I for can't you. give this but to I you. But I can't give you the case. Because it doesn't belong to me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, cause again, especially because they just taken it from the other guy who was going to keep it. Mm-hmm. And when he went through that whole fucking that's, speech with that's him. That's Marcellus Wallace. <laughs> Does he look like a bitch? What? Does he look like a bitch? Say so that again. One more time. <clears throat> what in the country I ever heard of? You speak English and what? <laughs> what? Say again. English, <laughs> motherfucker. Do you speak it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But that, that is one of my favorite scenes. It's just because he's very calm. He's very collected. He's mm-hmm. like, and he's always been that way throughout all the rest of the movie. But at that moment, it's like I said, it's an interpretation for me. What I interpreted from it was. He was ready to quit before all this shit happened, yeah. and now all he wants to do is be done. 
Mm. And so instead of killing somebody else in front of all these people and potentially fucking it up when he got all these witnesses now, and to be <laughs> honest, he's trying to get out of it as easy as possible so he can go roam the earth. To be honest, because he's sitting there, he's talking about, you know, divine intervention and being, you know, being alive after that gunfight scene where dude comes out. He says, you didn't want to tell me there's a motherfucker in your bathroom holding a goddamn cannon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that, yeah, that's what he's talking about is like, you know, them being alive after the dude came out and emptied, you know, six rounds and didn't hit either one of them. Yep. And then that sets up the, the reason why, uh, actually why Vincent Vega dies from Bruce Willis because Samuel had been, exactly, he yeah. didn't have his partner there. Yep. He got so used to it. Yep. So that was a great scene. Very kind. It is very a fantastic cool. scene. Once again, uh, my mind forgot that you said um, Pulp Fiction. I was like, I thought we were talking about Reservoir Dogs. But yeah. That line, I know, is exactly yeah. from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yep. um, so mine is from Kill Bill Volume 1. Um, so there are a lot of great fight scenes in that movie, especially one with the Lucy Liu. Shout out. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that came up close second. But when Uma Thur- Thurman meets up with, um, I pulled up their names to make sure I got it right, uh, Michael Madsen and Daryl Hannah. So Michael Madsen is, you know, a low-down drunk and living in a trailer, and he's got his Hanzo blade in a golf bag. He's, he's basically Kill uh, or Bill's brother, yeah. I think, is is their his relation. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so and He's like the low-end brother of the family. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he has a Hanzo blade just like everyone, every main character in the, the movie. <clears throat> but she's, she keeps it in the golf bag, and she's like, I wonder why you haven't pawned this yet. <laughs> so... Well, so, he lies actually earlier in the movie, and he tells Bill that he oh, yeah. did. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, what you you hawked the Hanzo? And he's like, it was priceless. Well, here in California, it was worth eight hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but Uma Thurman goes to his trailer. She kills him. Wasn't like the hardest, the biggest fight scene uh, in the movie. But then Daryl Hannah shows up with her character, and she was Bill's new girlfriend after she got put into a coma. But. Yeah. She's missing an eye because the Kung Fu instructor for one that trained Uma Thurman trained her, but the Kung Fu instructor just straight up snatched her eye out of her skull. So she's got an eye patch and a Hanzo, and there's a quick sword fight in the in the trailer. So if you could very narrow, and they're swinging giant samurai swords, and it's actually a pretty cool fight. But Uma Thurman, she's like, he taught me how to do that. So he she snatches the other eye right out of her face, and now she's just blind and writhing in pain on the ground, and she... Uber Thurman's like, there's no reason to continue this. I'm not going to kill you. Your your fight is done. And she just walks away. But but I like what she does as she walks away. She <clears> steps <throat> on the eye. Yeah. And, yep. like, <laughs> smushes it. <laughs> like, you ain't getting this put back in. <laughs> now, what you're forgetting, though, is that also in that scene, how Michael Madsen died was uh, Daryl Hannah's character had hid that... Uh, the, 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 the black, black mamba, mamba in the oh, money, yeah. which was her code name, bit him mm-hmm. in the face three yeah. times. But that black mamba is still in that trailer. I'm yeah, like, it's still <laughs> going around. Like, what the hell? <laughs> so now you're blind, and there's a black mamba in there. Good luck, bitch. <clears throat> I mean, the good news is you get bit by it. Like he got bit three times, but even if you get bit by a black mamba once, you got like what two hours to get the anti. Yeah, you're basically that. dead. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> They don't. Strike. They don't really have a an anti venom for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they may, but it's it's so quick though. Yeah. yeah. It's so fast acting that it's like you have to be ready. It for basically it. just shuts down your heart the instant it touches it or something. And considering black mamas are like you know based in like 
Africa. It's a little. They're not indigenous to yeah. you know a trailer Much, park area. Yeah, yeah the yeah. California hospitals really don't have black mamba yeah, anti venom yeah, on hand. It's not like an American rattlesnake where they're you know over every desert here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, hey, there's a black mamba, and they were kind of out in the middle of nowhere, basically, in that mm-hmm. trailer, so it's yeah. like, you're not really going to, you know, I would, if I'm going to have a trailer in the desert, I'm going to keep every type of snake poison, <laughs> anti-venom, around me. Just fill it up into <laughs> quick-acting EpiPens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look it around real fast, one, which one? Uh, Cobra, Cobra, King Cobra, oh, oh, Black this Cobra. Is going, I guess I'm going to hit all three of them. <laughs> Common Brown, Rattler, Rattler, Black Mamba! Black, black Mamba! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to save yourself a lot of time in your life. Alphabetize. (laughs) So then Black Mamba go to B. (laughs) But if you're just bit by a Black Mamba in the desert that they don't normally are at. Oh, you're dead. You're not really going to be thinking clearly. And me, I'm deathly afraid of snakes to begin with. So if I get bit by one, I'm already like half heart attack already. Especially if you get bit in the face. (laughs) Like the freaking like you've been yeah. angry like ow okay I can walk away and you know hold my ankle like no this is your fucking face yeah, well, when, I, now that Tony brought it up I'm starting to remember when he died like his face was three times the yeah. size yeah. <laughs> so that is my favorite scene just because she snatches that eye right and then she's mm-hmm. she doesn't kill her she's like this is how you live now good luck uh, but um, shout out to the Kill Bill Volume One. Um, the fight scene with like the hundred dudes before the she, crazy eighty eight. Yeah, yeah, before she fights off with um, Lucy Liu. That that one's very close second. Well, nice. <laughs> like in the second one when Bill's and he's talking to uh, Matt's. Uh, what's his brother's name in there? Oh, I can't remember his actual name. His character name, yeah, I don't remember. Name. Um, Michael Madsen? Yeah. Uh, it's Bud. But So he's sitting there talking to him like how he, you know, she went off and killed Lucy Liu and like he, that she was coming for him. He's like, really? Uh, it's like, yeah, she uh, took out the crazy 88. He's like, really? How many of them was it? It's 88. <laughs> That's why they call him the crazy 88. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just told you. <laughs> it's, like, it's in the number. <laughs> no, four. Yeah, it's only four. It's, once again, wildly off topic, but 88 and 4. So in the original script for John Wick, had four people dying. But when they were done shooting, it was 88 people that he killed. See how this all works out? <laughs> it's all connected. Who would man. randomly say 88 and I would randomly say 4? Department of Redundancy <laughs> Department. <laughs> I could have picked any number I wanted, but the fates brought us to... The fates 88. brought us here. <laughs> Eight, 88 and 4. That met the John Wick uh, numbers. Exactly. Yeah. It's so all interconnected. Quentin about Tanner people dying, about people getting killed. What's in the box? <clears throat> what's in the box? <laughs> uh, quick, head, that's what's in the box. I'll give a, because we've got about 15 minutes left here, but I'll give a quick small shout out, even though I really wasn't like massively a fan of him, but like Death Race and stuff and those, um, what, what's that series he did, um, Tarantino did? It was all those kind of off-put movies. They look like the old style, like 70s. <clears throat> Grindhouse. The Grindhouse, the Grindhouse film, Grindhouse. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he did. That was the one they with Machete like Kills. Mini, yeah. yeah. And the girl with the, the gun leg lady. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you watch, I think I think it's Death Race, and that's with Kurt Russell. Death he's... Race was with uh, Jason Statham. Was that the one with him? What am I thinking of? Which one am I thinking um, of? I'm thinking of Jason Statham and Ian McKellen. Like, it's the stuntman or something. Yeah, but he has Kurt this obsession with killing yeah. people. He, like, race them to kill them. Right. But uh, that's hang what, on. I, I think it was called the stuntman. Was it called the Stunman? We'll keep talking. So we or it was did. something like, you know, kind of like um, when he I'm goes through 
uh, when he goes through the film, it's like, or it, it was like, um, well, he Sin was City. a stun man. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like Sin death City, proof. Each, death, death proof. Death proof. Okay. That's what it's called. Each, each one of like the the mini <clears throat> series had like its own title. Yeah, so that one's called Death Proof, and then, but yeah, he was a stun man. Mm-hmm. But his whole thing was like he liked just racing people down and killing them. They had the girls in the car, and he's like chasing them down. And one girl's like hanging on, you know, on the hood of the car mm-hmm. and everything. But Cause it, was, it was three girls, right? Mm-hmm. For that scene, yep. Yeah. But quick shout out to like the grindhouse type stuff. So yeah. he always goes. I never saw those movies. They're they're interesting. They're mm-hmm. definitely unique and different. Yeah. Well, because that was a style of film back in like yeah. the sixties and seventies, right? Yeah, and that's how they filmed it too. It looked like very grainy, grainy, but also where you would catch kind of like watching like the old old school like uh, school films. Oh, okay. Where it'd be kind of how you get that flicker or something. Yeah, you could hear like, like one line going across. <clears throat> yeah. Or, or you like could hear like, part, like the flapping like, of the reel on, on the film. Starting thing. up. Like, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it had all those aspects to it because he wanted to film it just like like that. Like basically mm-hmm. make it look like those old school mm-hmm. movies. And it was very unique. Very well done. Well done, Quentin. Well done mm-hmm. indeed. Nicely done. <clears throat> and I think I have uh, our next episode um, topic. Just looking at IMD, I went down a quick rabbit hole. Uh oh! So stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Insert Patrick Cackle. <laughs> I think you just did it. We have that on standby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before we started the podcast, Tony just recorded me in my apartment for two weeks, so he's got nothing but like sound clips of me. I mean, a lot more farting than there should be. Like I, I went to a doctor when he, sh- when he told me. <laughs> Before we forget, because now we're about down to almost 11 minutes, I can't believe I, I forgot to bring this one up. Jackie Brown. Oh, yeah. Jackie Brown is a great, great movie of the Tarantino. I think I've only seen that once. <clears throat> like the baseball player? No. Okay. No, this is a woman, about a woman, Jackie Brown. Okay. And the premise By the way, is, I'm thinking of Jackie Brown. <coughs> so. And it's got a lot of people. It's got like Robert De Niro's in this one. Um... Not Harvey Keitel, but who's the other guy? He's the guy that played the bail bondsman. He's a well-known actor. He's been in a few of Tarantino's films as well. Tim Roth. If you happen to look up the name Jackie Brown, just tell me for the actors. Michael Keaton's in it. And basically, she's an airline uh, stewardess or, you know, attendant. Well, back then, they called them stewardesses because based... Pam Greer. Pam Greer, yep. uh, Robert Foster. Foster? Might be Robert Forrester. Yeah. Michael Keaton, Robert De Niro. uh, And Samuel's in it. Well, it, Tarantino's making a movie. Sam yeah. Hells, it, it's like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. But she basically, she's when she goes on these trips, she's basically sl- smuggling either money or drugs or something for Samuel Jackson. He's got all these people doing different things for him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then well, when Tom they get Lister arrested. Jr. is in this movie. Yeah. I always liked him. But it's basically, she gets ends up getting hooked up with the bail bondsman. Do you remember the bail bondsman's name? Because no one's credited as the bail bondsman. Uh, I have to see the face. I can show you. I want to say it was the one you already mentioned. Lester uh, Jr.? Yeah, Robert Forrester. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, Max. Max. So that's his actual name. But he's the bail bondsman in the movie. But um, she ends up getting arrested, going to jail. Michael Keaton's an ATF uh, officer. So they're trying to bust. They basically bust Jackie and... They're trying to give her an out, you know, do the whole, like, undercover thing or let's set up a sting. And Samuel L's guy, he's like, he's got these people doing stuff for him. Then when they go to jail, he bails them out. But then he ends up fucking them over sometimes. I think it was, uh, not, you know, I think it was Chris Tucker ended up being one of the guys that he ended up getting rid of Mm -hmm. later. Hey, man, what you get rid of me for, man? (laughs) 
And then, uh, and then what's that? Robert De Niro. He's another like ex-con who's like staying with Samuel, and basically, it's it's like this whole big thing that gets mixed around this set of money or this big deal. And Jack, at the end of the day, Jackie Brown and the bail bondsman end up, you know, coming in cahoots together. He starts kind of falling for her a little bit, and then uh, they figure out a way. You know, she's like, you know, we can just get out of the bullshit. You know, this one amount of money, we could go. And he's a legitimate guy, but he actually starts considering helps her out. Mm-hmm. And so basically, <clears throat> she's now trying to fool Samuel Jackson and the ATF and the other people who were out to all get this money who's all in on it. And it's just like a big clusterfuck at one point. But uh, it is a very good movie, though. It's it's a very like 70s or 80s feel because mm-hmm. I think that's what it's supposed to be based out of. Is, um, oh, that's the actor. <laughs> I was like, well, it came out in 1941. I was like, wait, nope, that's when Robert Wrong was, one. <laughs> was born. This came out in 1997. Yeah, but I think, I think the timeline it was supposed to be based in was the 80s, the okay. actual era time. Uh, but no, just uh, that was just a real quick thing. I, I, I would like to talk about it more, but we're getting close to the end here. So I just wanted to give that one because that's one of his bigger movies that didn't do as well in the theaters but it became like a cult type okay. thing like it, it it became like one of his well-known movies later on like everybody loves jackie brown now i'll have to watch it they didn't like it like i liked it when i first watched it you know i wouldn't just jump on a bandwagon <laughs> i like star wars and too. getting to watch robert de niro play like the the low-end weaker guy he's mm. the guy like just taking shit from samuel and you know he's like doesn't do much just got out of prison he's an older guy and uh he just he's just looking to just get by and then he basically has samuel has him helping out with this whole heist thing that jackie's playing off of and he just plays almost like a, like an idiot like the like the mm. dummy and it's very unique to see that okay. <clears throat> so that's that's that there nice um so i know we have to start wrapping things up do you guys have any more comments feelings questions because i can answer them on behalf of quentin tarantino <laughs> Clearly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you got him on speed dial right now? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he's cool, man. He's cool. <laughs> uh, well, I will say I that, Big uh, that Django Unchained was uh, was really good. With um, uh, I, I like, you know, the intensity that Leo DiCaprio's character, or he brought in there with him. Yeah. Um, and that one, I, 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 I'm sad to say I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, me either. That and Reservoir Dogs, I haven't I mean, seen. And obviously Grindhouse and Jackie <laughs> Brown. So. The only thing you're really missing in that is Margot Robbie. <clears throat> and that's like she's really not it. in it? <laughs> no, no, she's in she's, it. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing you're missing if you don't right. see it. Because <clears throat> she plays... Just watch um, Wall Street. I think she exactly. plays... She plays Sharon Tate, I think, is who she actually plays. So it, it gets weird. It's like this movie about you know two actors, or one guy's a stunt guy, and one guy's an actor's kind of getting washed out a little bit mm. that's um leo's character <clears throat> but then you have it it veers off of this whole other story it's all about how um sharon tate got killed by the manson family mm. you know when they broke into her husband's home who was that uh prof- prolific director uh off the top of my head i cannot think and i feel bad that i can't think of it mm-hmm. he was like he was just well-known director back then uh, kind of a little quirky but he was like everybody knew him mm. um but no that's really the only part but it's like at one point you're watching Jones. this movie and then no no, no. It was before that it was kind of like a um, ah fuck I can't even think of it I'll, now I'm not even going to waste time trying to figure yeah. it out we'll talk about it offline but when I do remember it we'll bring it up next we'll week <laughs> we'll bring it up on the next episode 
Um, but yeah, no, she, her playing Sharon Tate was really good. But it's like you watch this movie about oh, this washed up back to this guy. They're trying to make it through, and then all of a sudden, hey, we're talking about the Manson family killing. <clears throat> I guess that's da, what da, happens da. once upon a time in Hollywood. Well, that is the name. <laughs> hey, I mean, you know. But yeah, no. Other than that, I'd say I don't know. I don't really have any questions, so to speak, except for you know, hope that he does go out on his last hoorah with a with a with a good bang as he's open to. You know, I, I did like that uh, they brought you know Django into uh, Many Ways to Die of the West at the very end. Yep. Where he shoots the shoots the guy running the um uh the the shooting gallery. It's, it's titled Runaway Slave. Yeah. <laughs> and he just shoots the man. <laughs> People die at the fair. <laughs> People die at the fair. So her father was Paul Tate and he was a colonel. Uh, no, no, it was her husband, the guy she was married oh. to. But you said dad. No, it was a. No, no, her husband. Husband or boyfriend. I don't know if they were from there. I know she was pregnant Roman with Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski, that's yes. Mm. Everybody knew. Like, that was a name that you knew back I then. I even knew. I even know that name. <clears throat> <clears throat> I was thinking when I was trying to compare it to another name, I was thinking of the the guy that always did all the the art stuff. He was well known in the sixties. Andy Warhol. Yeah, that's who I was. I'm like, it's a, it's a name like that where you would know it as soon as you hear it. But old Sukin <coughs> and Men in Black Three. Oh, now I'm remembering that shitty movie. Thanks for that. <laughs> You're welcome. But <laughs> no, I think uh, yeah. So we got a few minutes left, but you know, just hope his next his last movie is. As amazing as all the other ones that he's yeah. made, <clears throat> and now I'm I could already picture the ads like oh the Tarantino set all of his mo- all ten movies yep. and the, the ones he's worked on <laughs> and the unpublished scripts that no one wanted to make yes <laughs> yes all for thirty nine ninety five <laughs> times three, seven three easy payments <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah we are coming up to the end of the show though thank 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 you guys so much for joining us in talking Quentin Tarantino. Uh, movies and and QT, stuff that he's no oh, yeah QT yeah. yeah he's an old friend of ours yeah um, big Q but yes big Q. <laughs> the big two uh, but yes uh, so thank you guys for listening and Patrick you know now you have to watch the at least the beginning uh, diner Dogs. scene of Reservoir Dogs now so um, until next week for movie talks and chill we are your hosts I'm Tony Serrato I'm Gavin Butts I'm Patrick Wall all right guys take care don't forget guys you can visit us at our website movietalksandchill.com email us at talk to us at movietalksandchill.com or find us on our YouTube channel uh, you can also follow us on social media on facebook twitter and instagram at movie talks and chill you can listen to us on spotify anchor google podcast breaker pocket cast radio public coming soon to apple podcast Castbox, and overcast new episodes available every wednesday talk to you then Theme music for our podcast was composed, arranged, and performed by Paul The Rock. 